Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Changing up the pace here, Chris, to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Villato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum, and we are here to preview the New York Giants Week 6 matchup against the Buffalo Bills, a reunion of sorts for many New York Giants. Joe Shane, Brian Dable, Bobby Johnson, Cole Beasley was just put on the practice squad. You know there's going to be some high emotion in this game, Chris. On Sunday night football, hopefully the Giants can provide a watchable product because they have not really done so this season in prime time. Before we get into the game, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I am doing pretty well right now. Uh, Yeah, as far as the Giants go, it will be interesting because we've we've got quite a bit to talk about right now. Um, a lot of things are not really clear. We're recording a day early. We're recording on Wednesday. But yeah, th- this is going to be an interesting week for the Giants. Uh, they definitely have the work cut out for them. They certainly do. And I we have to start with the injuries on both sides of this of the team or on both sidelines i should say rather but we're going to focus on the giants first right now this is wednesday like chris said if these players miss thursday you can read into it a little bit more but typically guys who are a little dinged up will get a rest day on wednesday to heal wandale robinson darren waller micah mcfadden aziz ojolari and daniel jones did not practice on Wednesday. The Daniel Jones one, that's a huge deal because we're not 100% certain who our starting quarterback is going to be. It appeared like after the game and then on Monday's comments on the Up and Adams show, Daniel Jones didn't seem overly concerned, but this is a neck injury. He said it was different from the neck injury that he suffered back in 2021. It's kind of a lot to suss out there. I think we just kind of have to wait and see what happens. And obviously, other than those players, John Michael Schmidt's not practicing. Matt Parrott not practicing. Shane Lemieux is questionable, I believe, right now. There's just a lot of injuries up front. Saquon Barkley, we're still not certain if he's going to be ready. What's your read on this situation, Chris? Yeah, right now, the Giants got hit with a, obviously, I've gotten hit with a ton of injuries, basically in the toughest part of their schedule. So really the least opportune time. You know, with Daniel Jones, any time a head or a neck is involved in the injury, you have to be cautious because, you know, it's not like an ankle or a knee or whatever, anything like that, where like, you know, if something isn't right, anytime you have the possibility of a nervous system injury, you want to be cautious with that because if you aren't a hundred percent 
right, things could go terribly, terribly wrong. And Jones not practicing, like you said, that's not a, that isn't a bright red flag right now, but it is definitely of note. If he doesn't practice tomorrow as we sit and record Thursday, if you happen to be listening on Thursday, that I think is a sign that he will not be playing in this game. Uh, Personally, if I am the if I'm the Giants medical staff, if I'm the coaching staff, I would lean towards being cautious and just hold him out this week because the Giants are facing a very, very good defense with a very, very good pass rush and a very good offense. So whoever is going to be the quarterback is going to be taking hits in this game, particularly with Andrew Thomas still still coming back from that hamstring. He suffered the setback last week. We thought he might be able to get on the field against Miami. Turned up, didn't happen. Uh, John Michael Schmitz still de- dealing with that shoulder injury. Shoulders are very tricky injuries for linemen because you need to be able to apply pressure, use your hands, fight with other 300 plus pound dudes. Like that, that's just, it's tough to do that if your shoulders are hurt. You know, that anyone who goes to the gym, try. Try imagining bench pressing with it with a sprained shoulder or an injured shoulder. It, it's just not going to happen. And then Matt Parrott, also a shoulder injury. Now, that is significant because Joshua Zudu has struggled mightily out there at left tackle. Matt Parrott might not be better, but he is at least a natural tackle as opposed to a guard who has some experience playing tackle attempting to do so at the NFL level. So the Giants offensive line as a whole is getting very, very thin. And again, they're facing a very good Buffalo Bills defense and an offense that puts pressure on the opposing offense to score. So that has the all of the makings of a very tough outing for whoever is playing quarterback for the Giants. And the Bills are not without their injuries as well, especially on the defensive side of the football. Now, they got Von Miller back last week, and he played 20 snaps. Von Miller, he's 34 years old, coming off of a torn ACL that he suffered, I believe it was on Thanksgiving last year. I don't know how much juice he's going to have, but he's still one of the best pass rushers to ever exist. It's a plus that the Buffalo Bills are getting him back. I'm sure his role will expand. But holy crap, Chris, they have gotten smacked in the face with the injury bug over the last two weeks. Against Miami two weeks ago, they lost Tredavious White with a torn Achilles. He's one of the better cornerbacks in the league. That's a big loss, but Buffalo's pretty deep in the secondary. But last week against Jacksonville in London, Matt Milano, one of the best linebackers in the league, fractured his leg. He's done for the season. And then Daquan Jones tore his pec. He's also done for this season. Both are being placed on IR. They were without Gregory Rousseau in that week five matchup. He missed the game with a foot injury. He had a huge sack against Tua on fourth down in the red zone in the previous week in the fourth quarter on what was an unblocked defender, something that the Giants are getting a little bit used to now at this point. I don't know if Rousseau will be available in this game. We'll have to wait and see Buffalo's injury report. But these are a lot of injuries. The one thing I'll say, though, and we'll talk about this after the ad break, 
if there's a coaching staff and a team that I think will be able to figure it out, it might be the Buffalo Bills on the defensive side of the football specifically because that defense is wildly cohesive. Now, losing players like that might not be as cohesive, but judging by players like Terrell Bernard and a couple of these other other fill-ins that have replaced these injured players, I've been impressed. But what, what do you have to say about the Bills injury situation? Do you think the Giants are going to be able to take advantage, hopefully, of the fact that the Bills are a little bit light? I would say the Giants should be able to take advantage. I don't know if they will. Uh, the Giants offense as a whole has, they just haven't been able to get any kind of traction. Injuries have obviously contributed to that, particularly along the offensive line. Um, Darren Waller potentially having a groin injury. That is a concern as well. That with Matt Milano being out, Waller could have been a really big weapon for the Giants. He could still be, you know, we will just have to wait and see what happens there. Saquon Barkley as well with that ankle, who knows where he is. He's doing a little bit more, but again, we'll just have to wait and see with that. Losing Daquan Jones as well. Like I said this before we started recording, that is an absolute gut punch to the Buffalo Bills defense because as you said, Daquan Jones isn't a household name, but he is probably a top five defensive tackle in the NFL right now. He is right up there with Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. In fact, ESPN has him as the best pass rushing defensive tackle in the NFL. He's got the highest pass rush win rate despite being double teamed 70% of the time. He, he was playing at just an absurd level. and. That makes Matt Milano's job easier. And Milano has such high football IQ and plenty of athleticism to go with it. He was able to just be all over the field for them. So, you know, that would be for the Giants, like losing Dexter Lawrence and Bobby O'Karake in the same game. Yeah, that that's just very difficult to come back from. And also losing a very good cornerback. You know, like if in 10 days the Giants lost Adore Jackson, Dexter Lawrence, and Bobby O'Karake, you know, would you look at the next opponent and say, okay, that that team can take advantage of that? Well, yes, the the opportunity is there to take advantage of it. I'm just not sure if the Giants are competent enough to do so. Yeah, the Giants can't protect the quarterback right now, whether it's Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor, and you're still going up against a very good defensive team. We'll get into that, though, after the ad break. So let's roll the ads. But before we talk about Buffalo's defense, Chris, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills on the offensive side of the football. This is Josh Allen's team. He is the engine that pushes Ken Dorsey's offense, formerly Brian Dable's offense. Now, Brian Dable might have some sort of inside knowledge on how to slow Josh Allen down, but I don't know how much of that is actually going to be applied to the game for Josh Allen's a professional quarterback. He understands his weaknesses and his vulnerabilities, and it's been a while since Brian Dable has been in his ear. Josh Allen's an MVP type of player. He has Stefan Diggs, one of the best wide receivers. A healthy Gabe Davis is a solid number two. Dawson Knox suffered, or not Dawson Knox, I'm sorry. Dalton Kincaid, their rookie tight end. He's starting to earn more of a role in the offense, but he suffered a concussion 
I'm not 100% certain if he's going to play in this game. I'll have to wait and monitor that. But Josh Allen, man, he's one of those quarterbacks. When you think of the top quarterbacks in the league, Josh Allen is top three that comes to mind. And I am curious on what Wink Martindale is going to opt to do to slow down this offense because what he did against Miami was completely different, Chris, than anything we've seen Wink Martindale do. Now, before I before I pass it to you, I think Wink Martindale gets a a bad reputation or maybe just a a uh um, there's a misnomer about him that he's always just going to bring the pressure. That's not necessarily true. I think his philosophy and in his bones, pressure breaks pipes. I do. But we saw last week, they blitzed, what, 12% of the time or 13% of the time against Miami? Yet Mike McDaniel come out after the game and say, our game plan was completely thrown out the window because Mike Martindale did something completely different. We saw that last year against Jacksonville, and there are a lot of examples of it. I don't know if he's going to be aggressive against Josh Allen. He could play more too high. The Giants played too high against Miami over 30% of the time. They rarely ever, and cover two specifically, they rarely ever do that. And also, they ran cover two man. That's another coverage that they rarely ever run. It was in the single digit percentiles last year, like below 5%. So what do you, if you're Wink Martindale, how do you opt to slow down this Buffalo offense is a lot different than Miami's offense. Do you bring pressure? Do you drop into coverage? Do you mix it up, simulate pressure? What What are your thoughts on this, Chris? Yeah, the, just the level that Josh Allen is playing at right now. Yeah, he he leads the NFL in completion percentage above expected. He's completing seventy three percent of his passes, despite the fact that he's looking further downfield than almost anyone else because, you know, he's got the arm talent to be able to do so. It's rare that you've got a quarterback that is able to throw downfield and is doing so consistently accurately. And that is just very difficult to game plan against. And, you know, teams can do that. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were able to do so. But they also had the advantage of not having flown across the Atlantic just before that game. As far as what the Giants can do and what Wink can do with his scheme, I wouldn't be surprised to see more middle-of-the-field open coverages. I liked that they ran more two-man. I I wouldn't mind seeing more cover-two or cover-four looks, at least pre-snap, and then have like post-snap rotations, have maybe one of those deep safeties buzz down, be a robber in the middle of the field. The Giants are going to have to do whatever they can to slow down Josh Allen's reads because the Bills do have a good offensive line, one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. And Allen is athletic enough. I think you want to try to walk the tightrope of keeping him in the pocket, keeping the ball in his hands, but not give him enough time to pick you apart. And that is a very difficult balance to strike. But you also don't want Josh Allen escaping the pocket because he kind of is their running game as well. He's their second leading rusher. He scored three touchdowns already this year. He's very difficult to bring down in the open field just because of how big and strong and fast he is. So he presents a lot of issues for the Giants defense. And I don't think they want to go hair on fire blitzing like they did against 
the 49ers because then you've got Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis and Diggs in particular, he can separate at will from just about any corner in the NFL. And if you're manned up on him on an Island with no help nearby and he separates, that's a big play that that's just all there is to it. And Gabe Davis is a very good possession receiver. He's got good size. He's got good hands. He's a good route runner. So the bills don't have the type of weapons that the dolphins have. Like they're probably not going to be breaking too many 60, 70 yard catch and run plays, but the giants have to be just as careful against this offense as they did against Miami because those big plays can come at any moment. If the giants take too many care, too many chances and get predictable. And the Buffalo Bills are so good against middle of the field closed. We know the Giants like to gap out their defense, drop a safety into the box. Against this rushing attack, while James Cook is a good running back, he averages over three yards after contact. Josh Allen can run the football. You got to stop the explosive play. So we may see more too high defense. We may see more edge rushers playing contain against Josh Allen, being a little bit more conservative with their pass rush to try to not allow Josh Allen to get to the second level and use his legs, specifically when the Giants are in man coverage. You're probably going to see Isaiah Simmons in the game playing quarterback spy on Josh Allen, certain situations. I like the fact that you brought up the buzzing the defender down. I think you're going to see some rotation. We know the Giants ran one double buzz against against the uh, Dolphins on that third and seven touchdown. I, I, I don't really want to see that. Trey Hawkins against a, a star receiver like Stefan Diggs, like we saw with Tua. But uh, that was one play where the Dolphins were able to exploit what was an adaptive game plan by Wink Martindale from last week's game, and I'm expecting another adaptive game plan. I think Buffalo's offensive line, like you said, they're a um, talented unit. They they have a, the benefit of having a quarterback like Josh Allen back there. I still think, even though Mitch Morse is a good center, Connor McGovern, Cyrus Torrance, I, I haven't watched his tape since he got into the NFL, but he was talented when he was at Florida. That's a matchup that Dexter Lawrence can win. And if you can get Josh Allen off his spot and also contain him, just not allow him to run with your edge rushers, maybe a quarterback spy, maybe you can keep him in that pocket and he won't kill you with his legs. The thing is, he keeps his eyes downfield at all times, man. And you have Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis and also those two tight ends with Dawson Knox and, and Dalton Kincaid if he is there for the game too. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a group effort on the defensive side of the football. And last week, I know they gave up the explosive plays and they couldn't stop the explosive plays. They couldn't stop outside runs. Buffalo isn't as adept at running to the outside and really their rushing attack in general like Miami is. They're not as good as Miami is with that. And the Giants, man, they had three turn. They won the turnover battle by three, and they got blown out last week. Like the defense did what they had to, and it's just I don't know, man. It's, it's just upsetting when you think about it. But anything else on the offense for transition to the defense? No, I, I think I do think the thing to watch will be that concussion with the tight end because Dalton Kincaid was a very good player in college. And the Giants, they have consistently had issues with tight ends. That's gotten better with the addition of Bobby O'Karake and Isaiah Simmons. But the tight end, when you have a good one and when you have good receivers on the outside, that is always a matchup that is going to favor the offense. And particularly when you don't have 
a player you can really key on at the running back position. Offenses can use that tight end to more or less simulate what you would get from the running back by picking up those yards over the middle. That's some one of the things the Giants kind of love to do is use the tight end to pick up those just five, six, seven yard completions. They're nice and safe. They keep the offense moving forward and keep getting you more chances to look further down the field. So that, that I think is something to keep an eye on, particularly if Isaiah Simmons or Bobby O'Karake have to spy Josh Allen and can't be used to cover Dawson Knox, Don Kikade, whoever. Let's flip it over to the defensive side of the football for the Buffalo Bills against the Giants offense, which is a sputtering mess right now with a ton of injuries and musical chairs up front. But holy crap, man, I went through their film for the piece when the Giants have the football. Go check it out over at Big Blue View. Shameless plug. The Bills defense, Sean McDermott is their defensive coordinator right now. He's the one calling the plays, and that is one cohesive, and I know they have injuries, so it might affect them, but one cohesive unit, man. You're talking about just perfect zone coverage, passing routes off, sticking to the subsequent routes, sticking to not getting high load or allowing the easy high low by positioning yourself optimally to make the quarterback question, should I throw that football? He's kind of in the throwing lane. What do I do? Let me, okay, I'm sacked. Because this team pressures third highest pressure rate in the league. I believe it's like 26%, Chris. They blitz dead last, dead last in blitz rate. 12% 12% blitz rate, which is very, very low. For context, the Vikings are number one in the league, over 40%. I think it's like 44%. Giants are number two at 39%. This team hardly blitzes, yet they're getting pressure because they are so talented up front and because Sean McDermott does such a good job disguising his simulated pressures and using creepers to send for and to get home and manipulate protection packages. And also their run defense allows or forces, and they're just overall team, forces the opposing team to throw more down the stretch of games, making them a little bit more one-dimensional, which has been something that has plagued the Giants this entire season, being one-dimensional and finding themselves behind the sticks and being forced to throw the football. I was very impressed when I watched Buffalo's defense on tape, specifically against Miami when they were a little bit more healthy. Yeah, and I think those those injuries to, to Tredavious White, to Quan Jones, Matt Milano, those are going to loom large on this defense because you can only blow so many holes in a starting roster before the integrity starts to starts to crumble a little bit. And the Bills have good depth. They've got good depth in the secondary. They've got good depth in their front seven, defensive line in particular. So. I think at least against the Giants, the way the Giants offense has played for most of this year with the injuries the Giants have been contending with, Buffalo should be able to weather it. As you said, they are very, very well coached, and they've managed to strike a balance where they are a veteran team, but a veteran defense, but not an old one yet. Most of their best players are still in their mid to late 20s. Von Miller aside, they're not really at the point where they really start to slow down. So that those guys still have their wheels, 
but they have enough experience playing together, playing within this system, playing for this coaching staff that they can, can, as you said, communicate very, very well. So they should be able to weather a next man up situation along the defensive line and in the secondary. You know, right now, Ed Oliver, AJ Epinesa, those guys are playing pretty darn well up front, particularly Ed Oliver, who's been having really the best season he's had since he was at Houston in college. Like he is, he isn't Aaron Donald, but he is explosive. He's athletic. He's able to penetrate, but he is also pretty darn stout at the point of attack, despite being what 280, 290 pounds. So just given the state of the giants offensive line and their guard positions, that's something that's, the Giants are definitely going to have to watch out for. I mean, if Daquan Jones were there, he would be feasting on the Giants' offensive line right now. That's just all there is to it. Yeah, The one thing I am going to be watching is will Gregory Rousseau play? Because he's dealing with that foot injury. The, the Bills didn't put him on the injured reserve. I've seen some optimism out in Buffalo that it could just be a one- to two-week injury. That I think is worth keeping an eye on as we get closer to game day or game night in this case. But then the things the Bills like to do on defense with their coverage, like it is kind of subtly a trap for the Giants offense. It is, and they set a lot of trap. They do trap coverage to the field. They ran it against Tua and Tua threw into the into the trap and they disguise it so well. We know Daniel Jones has made that mistake dating back basically his entire career where if he's going to throw to the field side, the apex defender, the defender over the number two receiver, that's the inner receiver, is going to slightly shade to the inside of that number two saying, hey, the out route is available. Throw the out route. But that's exactly what the defense wants you to do because when the number two receiver runs the out, the cornerback who is over the number one is going to sit and he's going to read the number two. And that's his first job. He's going to read the number two. His safety is going to flow over the top. And if the number two runs the out, then he is going to drive through the catch point and come away with an interception or absolutely annihilate that wide receiver. And then the safety flowing over the top is going to assume the responsibility of the number one. It's called the trap coverage. It's Palms trap. Buffalo runs Palms trap. And I'm a little bit of scared that the Giants are going to take that bait. And it's not just an indictment on Daniel Jones. It's an easy completion that you may think you have, and Buffalo disguises it so freaking well that I can see, okay, I have the out route. Throw the ball, and it's a big play for the defense, or you end up injuring your wide receiver. So that's a that's a situation that I think feel like we should be paying attention to. I want to flip it. Well, before I get a little positive in what Jacksonville did to take advantage of Buffalo, I think Buffalo was reeling after the injuries that they suffered in that game. But I'll say one thing about the injuries. Terrell Bernard, a third round pick in 2022 out of Baylor, is a very good young linebacker who is athletic. I've been very impressed with him. He was starting anyways next to Milano in nickel and in base, obviously. But then they have Tyrell Dodson and Dorian Williams. You and I spoke a lot about Dorian Williams. Third round pick out of Tulane this past year. Very long player. Had a pretty good game against Jacksonville when he had to step in there. And then Dodson, who I knew nothing about. He is a 2019 UDFA out of Texas A&M, played 55 snaps against Jacksonville. Gotta say, really knew where to be 
as a run defender, moved really well. His, his number is 25, so pay attention to him. I don't know if, I mean, it's going to be a drop-off from Matt Milano for sure, but I don't know if it's going to be an obvious, hey, we can pick on this guy. So that's another thing that's like, ah, man, I hate it because Buffalo is so deep that when they put these other players in, they look pretty damn good on film. So I wanted to uh, give Dodson a little bit of credit because he popped up on film and looked pretty damn capable as well as Dorian Williams, who I know you and I were both fans of. Yeah, we, we like both of those two lane linebackers out there. The I would say that if the Giants have an advantage in this game, it is that Brian Dayball knows Sean McDermott. He knows the the defensive philosophy, the defensive mind there. Now, I don't think that the Giants are going to have some you know, super secret master plan, some key to the Bills' defensive psychology that will just you know lay them bare and the Giants can pl- just do what they want. But just having that familiarity, the familiarity with a lot of those players, that is an advantage for the Giants. Like, obviously, McDermott knows Brian Dayball as well. He knows Dabs's the way he likes to run an offense, structure an offense. Even if Mike Kafka's calling the plays, Dayball will be absolutely involved in constructing the overall game plan. So the, that advantage does, that's kind of a double-edged sword there. But the fact that Dayball is more familiar with the Bills roster than McDermott is with the Giants roster, I would say that advantage leans the Giants' way. It's a double-edged sword, but Dayball is the one holding that particular sword. Now, whether or not the Giants are able to take advantage of those trap coverages, even if they know they're coming. Yeah, you know, it's still knowing it's coming and beating it are two different things. And the Giants are going to have to play around their injuries and they're going to have to find a way to move the ball down the field in a way that is not predictable. And one of the things they've really struggled with this year is that the foundation of their offense has become very predictable for opposing defenses. You know, we've been saying this week in and week out since that Cowboys game. Teams basically know what is coming when the Giants feel the need, feel the pressure to play fast. It they know what's coming, they know where the ball is going, and they're able to drive on that ball. And speaking of driving on the football, man, the secondary is, it doesn't have star power after Trey White went down, but they are just assignment sound. They can play man coverage. Like I said earlier, their zone coverage is excellent. I think both of their safeties are exceptional football players. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, their other cornerbacks not named Trey White, Teron Johnson and Dane Jackson, very talented cornerbacks. Teron Johnson is going to be in the slot. Dane Jackson is going to be outside. So you're not necessarily at an advantage from a matchup standpoint against these players. Maybe they're not household names, but when you turn on the tape, these dudes can ball. They can play football. So that's one another aspect of this that I am worried about against the Buffalo Bills going up against this team, man. But uh, Chris, 
anything else? I feel like I had one more thing that I wanted to bring up. I could mention that AJ Epinesa, second round pick out of Iowa back in 2020. I'm sure Joe Shane knows him very well. He was involved in that draft process. Actually looked pretty solid against the Jacksonville Jags, knocking passes down at the line of scrimmage. He's one of those players that if he has a breakout game against the Giants after kind of I don't want to say a bust, but not living up to the expectations. It's going to be disappointing. But I want to say this, actually, Chris. First, do you have anything on that? And then I want to I want to say something about how Jacksonville moved the football against Buffalo and was able to score on offense. No, no. Uh, talk about Jacksonville because they, I feel like a lot of Giants fans haven't really had the chance to watch much of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, man, Doug Peterson has that team playing very well. And I think... There are some lessons to be learned there, I think. There's absolutely lessons to be learned. Firstly, they came out of the gate, Jacksonville, and they were just running play action. So the first play of the game was a play action slide in 12 personnel with Evan Ingram aligned behind Luke Farrell, who is their blocking tight end. And Evan Ingram just took the deep third defender, removed him, and then Farrell just leaked out after blocking. This is a concept off a play action boot that the Giants have ran. A lot of teams are tracking on it at this point. But if the Buffalo Bills play this specific play the same way that they played it against Jacksonville, you're going to have Daniel Bellinger, who's a better athlete than Luke Farrell, leaking out to the field side. And I believe that went for like 16 yards to start the game. And you know, when you get a chunk play on the first play of the game, Chris, defense is like, ah, damn, you know, like, what the hell, man? Like, you start to kind of get into their mind a little bit. And throughout the game, you saw some well-executed play-action passes. On that first drive, too, there was a 30-yard gain to Christian Kirk at a shotgun. They go into the mesh point. Travis Etienne, who had a really good football game as well, ends up just going into the mesh point and then just leaking out, and you had just had two deep routes with three guys in the flat to suck up the underneath defenders. It was essentially a Yankee concept. I believe it was Calvin Ridley ran the deep post, and then the deep over came from... Christian Kirk against a cover two defense. The flat defender was held by Evan Ingram in the flat, and the safety was cleared out along with the other defender on Calvin Ridley. So Christian Kirk was isolated one on one against, I think it was, I, I don't remember exactly who it was, but regardless of the fact, he won that to the outside. Giants have receivers who they might not have the same skill set as Christian Kirk. But they have speed, and they can win on those deep horizontal routes. And it's something that we were so excited about with Brian Dable when he came over to the New York Giants, Chris, was the wide cross and the deep horizontal routes. And we saw a lot of that last year with drive series and a lot of different plays down the stretch of the season, specifically in the playoffs against the Minnesota Vikings because they couldn't pass any routes off. But the play-action passing attack from Jacksonville was successful. And that helped set up the run, which was interesting. Because down the stretch of the game, Jacksonville had a lead, so you have to keep that context in mind. But they were able to run the football with Travis Etienne against the Buffalo Bills. So if you get this team on their heels, especially now that they have these injuries, and you run some successful play-action passes, maybe you can start to run the football. It's the script that Jacksonville used, but I think that's only really, at least the percentage of that working is going to be gravely enhanced or greatly enhanced with Saquon Barkley on the football field. And we're just not sure if that's going to happen. Yeah, but I am glad you brought up play action because the times the Giants offense has run the smoothest was in that second half against Arizona. And they were running play action 
basically every single snap, every single time Daniel Jones dropped back, there was a mesh point, whether it was a play action pass or a, an RPO concept, there was a mesh point and it had really had the Cardinals defense frozen. Now, as we've said all along, the Bills defense is much better coached. It is just better overall than the Cardinals defense. However, the Giants have had enough success with that play action offense that it really would make a lot of sense for them to incorporate that. And you don't need to run the ball to set up play action. You can run play action on the very first play of the game without having run the ball at all before you you have that mesh point and take that shot down the field. So th- that's something the Giants absolutely could look at doing and probably should look at doing. And I would hope in this game that Wandell Robinson, assuming he's healthy, and Jalen Hyatt, assuming he is healthy, which we've seen no indication that he isn't, I would hope that those two guys are on the field permanently for the Giants just from now on. They should be a part of their base defensive or base offensive personnel package. Uh, then that third slot, that could be Isaiah Hodgins, that could be Darius Slayton, just depending on what kind of concepts you want to run. And then if you want to use a 12 personnel or a 22 personnel, whatever, and the Giants could even use Wandale Robinson, a former running back, as a part of their pony package. And their 11 personnel package could look like three or four different personnel packages, just depending on where you line up Darren Waller and Wandale Robinson. Those are advantages the Giants do have with their offensive skill position players and having the ability to convincingly run play action almost every single pass that can slow down a defense unless the Bills defense just chooses to disregard the the Giants running game completely and plays the pass no matter what. One more note before we get out of here. A lot of those runs were zone runs. ETN did hit a boundary 31-yard it wasn't a toss, but it was the blocking of a crack toss from a condensed formation. It was pretty unique. The tight end, there was 12 personnel tight end on each side, and Luke Farrell blocked down on the end man on the line of scrimmage, who did go inside, so it played right into the hand of Jacksonville. And then two pullers just kicked out number 21 and picked up the linebacker. And ETN, too, he has a lot of speed. And when the Giants played ETN in week, what was that, seven last year, week eight, whatever it was, you saw so many vision issues, but if you give him a crease, he's explosive enough to make you pay. And he did that several times because he bounced a lot of runs to the outside where Buffalo didn't necessarily play it terribly on the inside, but they didn't contain it, right? They just didn't contain it. And that's something that I think Buffalo needs to do a better job against the New York Giants. But a lot of them were just shotgun zone runs that ended up being effective. When the Giants played the 49ers, the different defenses, but their fronts are somewhat similar, meaning that it's not going to be a tight front. It's not going to be an odd front. It's going to be an even front. And when the Giants played San Francisco, they didn't run any GH counter. We haven't seen a lot of GH counter since the Daniel Bellinger injury, mind you, which was after the 49ers game, but there was no GH counter against the San Francisco 49ers. Remember, GH counters where you pull the backside guard and the H back from the backside to create extra gaps to the front side of the play. Giants ran wham double trap 
against that specific front. And it, this is a similar front that is employed by the Buffalo Bills. So maybe we're going to see a little bit more wham double trap. Wham double trap is when that H back is going to be off the line of scrimmage. He is going to block an interior defensive lineman who is allowed upfield. And then two offensive linemen are going to kick out and they're going to block two other defensive linemen who are allowed upfield. So basically, the defensive line isn't blocked right at the snap. But what that does is those defensive linemen are going to end up getting blocked about a half second after the snap. And you have two free releasing offensive linemen now up to the linebackers who aren't Matt Milano. So maybe the Giants can spring something with wham double trap. It's the same exact play that was the touchdown run the last time the Giants offense scored a freaking touchdown, Chris. It's crazy. But that was a wham double trap run for Matt Burita. So it's just a little note that I wanted to add against this team that has a wider type of alignment than some of the other defenses the Giants have gone up against. But Chris, anything else before we get out of here? No, I th- I think we've kind of analyzed this game about as many different ways as we can. Right now, the biggest things to keep an eye on will be the injury situations for both teams, really. like The Bills aren't going to be getting those three guys put on IR back this week. Uh, the only one who even, I think, has a chance to come back is Daquan Jones, but that's not going to be for a while. Getting Gregory Rousseau back would be big for them, or I should say big for them, bad for the Giants. For the Giants, we we have to keep an eye on Daniel Jones, how he progresses over the course of the week, and then also on the offensive line. You know, if Andrew Thomas remains out, John Michael Schmitz remains out, if Matt Peart is not available, it might not matter if the Bills don't have Daquan Jones and Gregory Rousseau the Giants will be at a big disadvantage along the offensive line. And like we said to start, that could have the makings of a bad day for the Giants quarterback, but we'll just have to see how things develop. Alrighty. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, like, subscribe, leave a comment on the podcast and also head on over to BigBlueView.com. We are covering this game and covering this New York Giants team through a disappointing season, but we hope you enjoy the content. Thank you and have a lovely day.